We've talked about the, the dysfunction of intimacy, how there is jealousy, there is envy, there is lust, the things that we're driven to intimacy, but if we're not careful, it can go dark and lead us into some unhealthy ways. But, but there's a healthy side that actually leads us to a deeper understanding of intimacy, that we don't have to fear that desire for a compassion and inclusive an inclusiveness that brings others into our universe and into our space. And so intimacy is something that we need and it's something that is meant to bring more fulfilling life. It's something that our soul desires. We, we talked about destiny, the desire for a destiny, to want to, to make a difference. And if we're not careful, this can become apathetic. Like Jonah, we just no longer care. And so many times the reason we don't have the life that we want is because we're not investing in the life we want. We invest more time in TV than we do pursuing a goal. And then when someone does pursue the goal, you know, it makes us look bad and so we kind of envy them. We, we desire the things that they have and we become jealous in those areas. We become bitter and angry. But then we see that if we have a destiny that actually does good, leads to good, makes the world a better place for those around us, that it actually fulfills something deep in our lives. Last week we, we began to look at meaning and the dysfunction of meaning, how so many people want to find what is life about, the meaning of life, but we do it in ways that lead us to a dead end. And we talked about Solomon, how he sought to find meaning in the things that he learned and in pleasure and in success. And at the end of all those things, he said, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. And that his desire for meaning wasn't satisfied by how much he knew. It wasn't satisfied by the pleasures he enjoyed. It wasn't satisfied by the success he achieved, all the things he achieved. We're going to be left to someone else. And that those things, those searches for meaning, actually could lead to discouragement, which is where Solomon was in that place of discouragement. And no one at the end of their life looks back and says, man, I wish I could have been more successful. That's not where the heart goes. And that's where we're going to be looking at today, this desire for meaning that moves us to want to find a life that is complete. And so we're going to start off in Psalm 73. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, open it to Psalm 73. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and we can get one to you. I encourage you if you have a smartphone to download a, a U version and you can have it with you all the time. But we're going to go through this Psalm, Psalm 73. It's a Psalm of Asaph. This is before the temple was constructed. And so it's important to understand that because as he talks about the temple, he's, he's really talking about not a place, but he's talking about the presence of the Lord. And so many times we we lose that understanding. I, you know, I'm always trying to redefine our language, those who are followers of Christ. And, and so, you know, we are used to maybe calling a place where you meet a sanctuary. 
But the sanctuary isn't the place. That's just the room. The sanctuary is the relationship. And so here Asaph is writing and he says in verse 1, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous heart comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice, with arrogance. They threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishment. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God and I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you rise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me... It is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. And so here we see the psalmist has a struggle. And I think it's a struggle that many of us have. I mean, sometimes we ask, why do good people suffer? We want to know why are there tragedies that fall befall people who are genuinely good people but i think sometimes even more troubling are why do why do evil people succeed why do they get away with it it seems like i never got away with those things i was always the one who would get caught and then my friends they would get away with it you know there was no punishment for what they did but me the smallest little thing and it seemed like the hammer came down I was like why that's not fair why are they getting in a way away with these things and and here the psalmist is having this problem this struggle and what we see here is kind of what we where we left off last week where we see those who are pursuing pleasure acquiring wealth for themselves it seems like they're getting away with it 
And the psalmist says, man, it looks like they've got it made. They've got everything that they want. And, and here, I don't have the things I want. And I'm trying to live a good life. God, it just isn't fair. And, and we see that there's a shift when there is a shift in his perspective, how he sees things. And it says, when he went into the sanctuary, when he went into the presence of God, it opened up a new dimension so that he could see things in a different light. So that it could help him to understand what is going on here and what things really are important and what things aren't. And it brought meaning into his understanding when he had a recognition and an understanding that included God. And sometimes when we lose that perspective and we see only a natural world around us, we get lost in the problems. We get lost in the pain. We, we, we get lost in the fact that things aren't fair. There is not justice that should be there. And that perspective means everything. You see, Freud thought, that the primary desire for man was pleasure. That that's what drove humankind, was the pursuit of pleasure. That a man got up every morning and saw a comfortable, enjoyable life, and that was what he desired. Viktor Frankl, who's a Jewish psychiatrist who was in the Second World War and was in four concentration camps, including Auschwitz and Dachau and two others, and survived them. And he says that the desire, the chief desire of man is really a deeper experience of meaning, a sense of purpose, mission, and belonging. And that really man sought pleasure only when there was no meaning. And one of his examples was they would get this ration of, of soup that was really just water with flavor. And they'd get just a morsel of bread. But you could give up your soup or give up that bread to get a cigarette. And the people who would go just to have that pleasure of having a good smoke were the ones who had lost hope. And the ones who were going to die because they said, I, I don't care about the food anymore. I'm just going to enjoy the cigarette. And when they saw that they would start giving up the things that they actually needed for just a momentary pleasure, they knew that those were the next ones to die. Because they lost meaning. And that deep sense of meaning was, what is my life about? What, is, what am I here for? Was the thing that actually is what man is driven by. Sam Harris, who is a, a prominent atheist, now says that the chief desire of, of driving humankind is fear. The fear of extinction. The reason we, we make laws and things like that are because we're afraid of what will happen if we don't. But again, when you're in a place like a concentration camp where you're living in constant fear, there's something deeper that drives you still. 
And the psalmist here comes to this place where he, he's looking and he's saying, this doesn't make sense. Why do they prosper? Why is this going on until he has a recognition that there is more to life than what you can accumulate? There is more to my life than what I can just attain. That there is a meaning that's deeper than that. And that that meaning was given to me by God himself. And so the connection to God is what brings me closer to this understanding of meaning. And it starts to begin to, to satisfy the questions that I have, the desires that I have. I can remember being haunted by the, the thought of what is my life here for? What is it about? I remember laying at night staring at the dark ceiling and being frightened. Like, what's the purpose of this? Is this it? Is this all there is? And there was this hollow echo inside my soul that wondered, is this all there is? And there was no answer in the things I saw around me. And, and like the psalmist, until I came into the sanctuary of God, until I came into the presence of God, and I saw that I'm not just an accident, that I've been created with intention and purpose. And that connection to my Creator gave my life meaning gave me insight and understanding. You see, life doesn't make sense until he sees things differently. And that man's inner strength can actually rise above our outward faith or fate. The, the things that we believe can actually overcome the things we encounter. And that's exactly what Viktor Frankl found as he went through life in a concentration camp. And imagine, here's a psychiatrist trying to see and understand what is happening and then having the ability to process it. And he came to that conclusion that this inner strength, this inner belief, can actually overcome the fate of the world around us. And he discovered that in a concentration camp. But that's the same true with the things that we encounter. The sickness, the loss of job, the hardship that we go through. Our inner faith can actually overcome those things that we encounter. And they help to bring actually meaning. What was needed was a fundamental change in our attitude towards life. And so here is bringing home, if we're going to understand meaning, we have to have the right understanding of life. The psalmist came to that clarity when he came into the sanctuary, the presence of God. And until we come into the understanding that we are here by design. We are here by purpose. Then life doesn't have that meaning. But then the question pushes, or we push the question, 
well then what is that meaning? Why am I here? What is my purpose? I've been created by God. Okay, if I, I accept that and I believe that and that gives an understanding of meaning, but then there has to be more to that. I'm not just here because God said so. Did he have a purpose for me? Does he have an intention for me? And turn with me to look at that as well. We're going to go to John chapter 9. John chapter 9, starting at verse 1. As he, Jesus, went along and saw a man blind from birth, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? What a question. That was the mindset. The Hebrew mindset was anytime there was affliction, it was due to some sin. And so some believed that even in the womb, you could be sinning and it could cause this kind of, you know, uh, deformity or sickness. Some said, well, no, it's the parents who sinned and now it's been put on the child. But they're asking, who sinned? that caused this man to be born blind. Jesus says in verse 3, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, when I first read that, I think that kind of stinks. I don't know about you guys, okay? I'm born blind so that the work of God can be displayed. Thank you, God, for choosing me to be this person. But he goes on and he says that the works of God might be displayed to him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now this is a kind of, it seems a little covert in what he's saying. It seems... A little cryptic. What, what, are, what are you saying here, Jesus? You're saying that this person is born blind so that the work of God might dis- be displayed in him. And then he goes on to say, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. And what Jesus is saying, this man is here in this condition so that I can demonstrate what God wants to do. But he doesn't say, this man is here just so I can do this. Notice what he says, actually, in verse 4. As long as it is day, we must do the works. It's inclusive. It's not just him. He's including his disciples. And and so he's saying that there is a brokenness in this world. It's not his fault. It's not his parents' fault. It's the world we live in that is a fallen world. But every situation where there is blindness, every situation where there is this hurt, there is the opportunity for us to be the light to the world. As long as He is here, He is the light of the world and we must walk in that way as long as He is here. And now, how is Jesus here? 
As he is, so are we in this world. We are continuing the work of God by being his body, the church. And so what's taking place here is now Jesus is bringing them, bringing us into the process. This person is here. Why is it here? What is the meaning of the suffering? What is this meaning? Well, this is happening so that we can bring the healing. So that we can be part of that healing process. So that we can be part of what changes. And you see, it doesn't really matter what we expect of life. I I think what we should ask is, what does life expect of us? Because you're not going to find the meaning of life until you see it as life is asking you, what is this about? And just as Jesus says, we have to bring this light, we have to bring this healing, life is asking us, what is this about? And we are the ones who actually bring the answer. Because that's what Jesus has called us, if we are his followers, to do. What did Jesus say? You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill. You don't take a candle, put it under something. You you place it where it can be seen. You are the ones who bring meaning into this world. So instead of looking, what does life mean? Life should be the one questioning you, questioning me. What does this mean? One of the biggest changes in my life is when I stopped waking up and asking God, God, what do you have for me today? And I woke up and instead heard God saying, Sam, what are we going to do today? And understood that God was bringing me into this and asking me, Sam, what are we going to do today? Well, I don't know, God, I was going to ask you the same thing. You know how it is when you're going out to eat and you ask, hey, what do you want to eat? I don't know. What do you want to eat? I don't care. Whatever you want to eat. Okay, why don't we go here? No, not there. You know, it's like... (laughs) And I felt like that way with God. It's like, well, God, what do you want from me today? And God said, well, I'd like you to... No, not that, God. What else? And instead, I hear God saying, so Sam, what are we going to do today? And me being a part of that process, that I'm actually part of what brings meeting. Instead, stop asking what does life mean instead of thinking of ourselves as being questioned that by life itself. And once we realize that our lives have meaning because we were created with purpose, we were created with tension, then intention, then everything that is part of our lives can bring this meaning into focus. So I am the one who can bring meaning to the things that are happening. And so someone who is suffering, someone who is hurting, I can come to them and bring the healing that God loves them and hasn't abandoned them, and I can bring meaning to their suffering. We can have this understanding 
that we are the ones who actually make sense of the things around us. That life doesn't make sense until we realize we don't look for meaning, but we bring meaning. And this changes everything. This puts the question on us instead of us putting the question on life. See, because the reason we desire meaning is because we were created for a purpose. We are created with intention. And God created us in His image so that we could be the example of who God is to the world, that we can bring the world into awareness of who God is, that we are the humanity that reflects who God is. But we don't ask those questions. We want to know why these things happen. And God wants us to be a part of the answer. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Why? In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So he, Paul is saying, I, I want you to have insight. I want you to understand the hope that you've been called to. Remember, hope is always something in the future. I have a purpose for you, this hope that you've been called to, this riches in the glorious inheritance of his people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. This incomparable, Comparable great power for us who believe. What is the great power? That we have the means of bringing meaning to the lives of those who are searching. It's not in us of ourselves. It is in the understanding of who Jesus is and us embracing that and now giving us purpose and intention, meaning that we can now give to the people around us. And I don't think we understand so often the importance that God places on us, that God has given us value, but with that value requires something of us. And so we have been set apart by God not to just enjoy life and say, yeah, I, I'm saved. We've been set apart by God to bring this awareness, this understanding of who God is to those who are around us. See, our, our desire for destiny, who am I supposed to be, brings us into the answer of meaning. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has ordained from before the world began. We are bringing meaning and purpose to the world. Because we have, like the psalmist, walked into the sanctuary and we see things are different than they appear. There is more than meets the eye.
there is life and that there are people who are existing who think that what they're doing is living. And our illumination, our hearts have been enlightened. We have the understanding to see that there is hope that reaches far beyond what we just experience, what we see and can tangibly touch, but is something that is supposed to be a part of our lives now. Not just when we die and go to heaven. It's supposed to be a part of us now. We are to live in the hope now. We are to bring meaning to the world now. And it's important that we see this. And ultimately, we find meaning in love. Ultimately, love is the thing that drives more than even fear. One of the things that uh, Victor Frankl wrote in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, is this time where he is... He's marching. The the worst part of the day was waking up because you would wake up and you knew where you were. In fact, there was a a person who was having a nightmare next to him one time and the guy was frantically like moving and and he was going to wake him up and he thought, no, I don't want to wake him up because he'll wake up from that and find out that it's worse. And they would wake up and they would realize how terrible it was and it was freezing. And they would put their, their feet in their shoes. Their feet were swollen. Their shoes would barely fit. And the shoes were worn out and terrible. No socks. And they'd march through the cold, freezing snow. And he remembers one time marching. And as he was marching you know, to go to the place where they're going to do some work and dig a ditch for some water pipe. And as they're marching, he saw just the beauty of the sunrise because it was dark when they first got up and it was just these beautiful colors. And they would just look at each other and they'd say, hey, look, because they'd see something like that and it would just inspire them. And then one of the guys asked, or just mentioned, he goes, if our wives could see us now, you know, and he was kind of joking, trying to keep some humor in that. And he started thinking about his wife, not knowing if she was alive or dead. And he said, it really didn't matter. I would picture her face and I would see her face and I'd start to have conversations with her and I would talk to her and she would talk to me. And one of the things that he said about this is the salvation of man is love and through love. That this relationship that he had with his wife carried him through the hardship that he was going through. The fact that he loved her and the fact that she loved him was something that gave meaning to his life, something that brought him into this understanding. And you see, when Jesus says that we are to love one another even as he has loved us, he's not calling us to service. What he's calling us to is meaning. The call to love one another isn't a call to duty. It's a call to meaning. And so Paul can write in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, in this life we have three great lasting qualities, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of them is love. And in this chapter Paul says, if I have all knowledge, if I have 
enough to do all these things, but I have not love. I have nothing. It's empty. It's meaningless. And so we see that the root of this meaning is actually love because God is love. And this love acts out, takes care of, brings hope to. It does. And it brings meaning to our lives and it brings action to our lives. Love is not passive. It's active. We had a great time last night at the time with Dr. Quinlan. It's not really, it, was, it wasn't was a couple's meeting, even though that's kind of what it's been talked about. It was just about relationships. And it's amazing the importance those relationships have in our lives. And that understanding of needing someone in my life is actually connected to this meaning. I need love because God is love and I show this love in the things that I do and therefore I'm able to bring this kind of meaning into lives. And and so I wanted to think, okay, so what can I do? What are some practical things that I can do to help connect my life to, to this understanding of meaning that I'm... I'm here with intention, I'm here for a purpose, and that I'm not going to find meaning to life, I'm actually going to bring meaning to life through the things that I do. And so I've got three things that I want to share with you that I hope will be helpful. The first one is have a project to work on. Some reason to get out of bed in the morning and preferably something that serves people. If you're wondering, okay, What's my life about? I'm just feeling depressed. I'm feeling bummed out. People who slip into areas of depression are people who stop being active in relationships with other people. People who no longer bring meaning to the world around them. And so if you're wondering, what's my life about? What am I supposed to do? If you're looking for this area of meaning, step into a project and and have something that gets you out of bed in the morning. Some reason I've got to do this. And again, preferably something that serves other people. Again, they had about 20 people yesterday morning got up and went to the the building and took food to the homeless. Something that got them out of bed, something that took of themselves, but it brought energy to them as well. Not only that, it showed and demonstrated love to those who were in need. You see, by living a life of love and by doing something for others, you bring meaning to people. Victor, in his book, talked about those few people who were in the concentration camp who would take what they had. These are the things that they needed to survive. The little bread that they had and saw someone who was worse off than them and gave it to them. Those people were few, but they stood out. And what it did is it told them, we are more than just animals. 
We are not in this place. We have something that we can take charge of. They can take everything else away from us, but they cannot take away our ability to choose something better. They can't take away our ability to show love or compassion. That is ours. And those people who did for others brought meaning to their own lives. It was a reminder to them, I'm a human being. And it actually brought clarity of what it means to be a human being. And so have a project, some reason to get out of bed, something that serves others. Second, have a redemptive perspective on life's challenges. When something difficult happens, recognize the way something difficult also serves you. See, James tells us, count it all joy when you encounter various trials because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. It gives you deeper understanding. You see, it is in those sufferings that we are actually able to bring about meaning. And so sometimes I think what we need to do is recognize the opportunities that are there in those times of suffering. That those are the times that you can actually bring meaning to the people around you. So when something happens to you, find a redemptive understanding and perspective of it. How is this going to be of value in your life? How is this difficulty going to actually serve you? So if you're going to encounter something, meaning is how is this going to serve me to make me a better human being? And third, share your life with a person or people who love you unconditionally. Because it's going to come back to love. Having someone who loves you no matter what. Or a people or a community that love you no matter what. And this is what we desire here to be at Genesis. We desire to be a community that loves you unconditionally. I don't care what you believe. We, we love you. I don't care your lifestyle or choice we love you. Of course, we're going to we'll share with you the things that we feel are true and of value, but we love you right now where you are, who you are. You don't have to change to get our approval. We're trying to be the continuation of God's demonstration of love to you. And so you need to find someone or a community that loves you unconditionally. And if you don't have a someone, we want to be that for you. We want to be the place that loves you unconditionally. And so allow us that. Allow us to be a part of your life in whatever way you are comfortable with. If you want to come here on Sunday mornings or Wednesdays, that's fine. If you want to join us in some of the smaller groups that we have, that's fine. If you have struggles and are going through, talk to someone. 
someone here so that we can step into your life and love you. You see, because meaning is found in love. Meaning is found in the demonstration of love. Meaning is found in the understanding of who God is and who He's created us to be. So that we can stop asking, what's life about? And instead, understand life is asking us, what is this about? Show me. Because we are the ones created in the image of God that can bring clarity to what life is about by how we love and care for one another. Because the greatest of all these things is love. Let's pray. Lord, I think of how many years of my life have been spent questioning what is life about. So many years living in fear, not knowing. But Lord, when I came into the sanctuary, when I came into your presence, everything changed. I saw everything differently. And Lord, I not only saw the world differently, I saw myself differently. And Lord, as you have become now just that Lord of my life, it's changed everything. Now, instead of me asking what life is about, I feel as if life is asking me for evidence of meaning. And you are the ones, you are the one who gives us meaning. You are the one who gives our life purpose. You are the one who enables us to be the light of the world. And so I I pray for us who are followers of you, Jesus, to to be just that, to be an example of meaning to our family, to our friends, to our classmates, to our coworkers. Lord, that we would bring meaning to the hardship around us, to those who are hurting, to those who are in need, to those who are alone. Father, may we see that this is the responsibility that comes with being your creation. This this is who we are and we will never find meaning until we are who you've made us to be. And Jesus, as you have loved us, you've told us to love one another. It is a call to meaning itself. May we embrace that meaning. And I want to pray this morning, if there is anyone here who who hasn't entered into this sanctuary that we've been talking about, who hasn't come into the place where they have recognized the presence of God and the importance of God, 
in their life. He's calling right now. And is asking of us to, to respond to Him. He is reaching out to us and to you and asking you to see who He is. Find the meaning in the one who is God in the one who is love in the one who has created you in His image. May you find meaning in Him. Let's stand together as Alex sings a song. And Lord of all the earth, we shout your name, shout your name, filling up the skies with endless praise, endless praise. Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name, oh Lord. Lord of all the earth, Shall your name, shall your name, filling up the skies with endless praise, endless praise. Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name, O oh Lord. Now may the God who created you in His image the God whose love is greater than life, help you to see that you will not find meaning apart from Him, but you will find meaning in Him and that you will bring meaning to the world around you as you walk with Him. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday.